DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special is going on now. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of January. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, we've got NBA basketball coming up tonight with the Jazz and the Mavericks. More on that uh, later this hour. And we also have college hoops. Got Utah State playing UNLV. I'm I'm, I'm feeling right now like if if Utah State isn't going to win out, they got to win the conference tournament to get in the NCAAs. And for the uh, for the Utes, it seems like the quest is to get to 500 this year. If somebody is going to give us glory, PK, BYU. How good are they? What about Southern Utah? How capable are they? Deep all the Cinderellas we have to wait on for March because for those. For for all those leagues, it's one week in March. UVU, SUU, yep. yeah. And and then if they do, great. You know, when Weber State has won a tourney game, it's been great. But we can't know that now. So it comes down to BYU. How good can they be? How deep can they go? It's the uh, I don't know if you're looking at them yet, but I've looked at uh, some of the bracketology stuff. It seems like they're well into the field. Now, obviously, it's too early to know if they're going to be a, a six seed, a nine seed, an eleven seed, whatever. That there's still a lot of games to be played. But how much faith you got? How much hope you got? Uh, for what? For BYU to do something that catches everybody's imagination and gets people fired up. Because we like stories and we thrive on that. Okay, so you're, the definition of that is not just getting into the NCAA tournament. Uh, right now, and I'm probably a fool for saying this when we're still in January. Right now, I think they've got an excellent shot at being in the NCAA tournament. So do I. Yeah. So I've kind of moved on to how good okay, are they going to be. Okay, that's what I just wanted yeah. to know what you were just. I, I think they're was. probably, the odds are better than not. Joe Lunardi has an 80% I chance. I don't give a crap of what Joe Lunardi <laughs> says. Like, just, and I haven't hey. looked at one NCAA tournament bracket. It's a waste of time. That's an insult to the all the time that I spend watching college basketball, that I have to spend all this time watching it, and then i got to check with somebody else? <laughs> no, I rely on myself. I need to check with Joe Lenardi. If the next time you mention Joe Lenardi, I'm throwing the headphones down and I'm not speaking. So to my point, it's Joel one Lenardi. thing to be in the tournament. It. It's one thing I to be in the it. tournament. <laughs> it's another team. It's another thing for Joe Lenardi to pick you to win a couple games. Well, I have no idea if they can win a couple games because I don't know who, no, they're, who they're going to play. play. So it's impossible. But there's still you have yes. so generally speaking, but generally speaking, I think do that they this pass, team can win the first game? Yes. Yeah. Pass the eyeball test. Is this look like a team that can win a game or two? And obviously, we'll recalibrate when we see the bracket and find out mm-hmm. who the other team is and if they're healthy and yada yada. I think that Mark Pope is a coach that inspires all sorts of confidence. Maybe more confidence in you than you should have. And he has a way of getting it. It's just a very limited sample. We saw what he did at UVU, and he did great work there. It's a different level than it is for BYU. Expectations are higher. Uh, Non-conference schedule is going to be higher. Uh, Even you can argue conference, certainly when you're playing Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And then usually there's another team in the West Coast Conference that's halfway decent outside of the Cougars and St. Mary's and Gonzaga. And so it's better than what the WAC is. But he did great work there, and we've just seen him now. We're, we're hardly basically sort of into a season and a half or season and three quarters. And the thing that I think with him is his enthusiasm and his way to get guys to believe in themselves is 
top notch. The guy is something to behold. His I, I listen to his Zoom stuff. I don't ever ask any questions on the Zoom for BYU. Same thing with the Jazz because I don't want to get in the way of what uh, newspapers. They're not newspapers. These website writers now that used to be newspapers. These people are on deadline. They have pressing questions that need to be asked. I don't. So out of respect for them, I don't want to get in the way and take up any of their time. But I watch them now, and they're all available. And he just has a level of enthusiasm that I think is infectious to the team and gets them to believe in themselves and believe collectively maybe a little bit more than they actually should. And it's impressive to watch him do this work. From the first time I interviewed him at UVU to today, he is selling all the time, PK. People talk about you got to recruit your players, uh, you got to recruit the media, and he, like he does all of that. He does. Yeah. He he's going to recruit high school kids. He's going to recruit kids who go into the transfer window. He's going to recruit kids who are on his roster. He is going to recruit boosters. He is going to recruit the media. He is always selling. It is wildly entertaining. I interviewed him in college, and I thought that this guy, this kid at the time, was a great interview. Because Utah was always playing Kentucky, and I was working for the Watchdog at the time. <laughs> and here's and I was at all those games. And so I thought that this kid's got something a little bit extra. I, mean, I, I, didn't, I had no idea he was LDS at the time, to tell you the truth, that he would be a candidate for BYU's uh, head coaching job. I wouldn't have had any idea when I stood before him back in Minnesota in 96, I think it was. Uh, so... I, I did not know that. I knew he had, he had grown up in the Seattle area and played there and transferred over to Kentucky. I knew that, but I did not know about his religious background, nor did I care. And then come to find out down the road that that's who he is. And sure enough, I mean, it, it was it, maybe this is something that is for BYU's sake because the pool of candidacies that they require with the act of LDS is that it's so small to be a head coach. But when. Steve Cleveland, when Steve Cleveland and Bronco Mendenhall got the jobs, they were dark horses, but their successors were so obvious to me, meaning that it had to have been Dave Rose. There was like no other guy <laughs> out there on the planet that was made to succeed Steve Cleveland than Dave Rose, and I felt the same way about Kalani. And I also feel that when Dave Rose stepped aside, that there was no other person on the planet that it was going to be other than Mark Pope. And particularly if I had someone very close to me said, Mark Pope is going to get the job. (laughs) (laughs) So I did have that knowledge of someone who I trust 100% telling me. Yeah, you would have figured it out without the conversation, though, because you, you, he was right down right. University Parkway. Right, he was winning. You already saw the personality. You already saw the ability to really uh, to sell it. And it's interesting because we always talk about BYU's recruiting base, and and the phrase we've heard forever, going back to, well, certainly going back to Val Hale as AD, but probably going back before that, BYU has to get the best LDS talent, and you got to identify these guys early. You got to get in on them. It's still a risk. You're going to lose them as the rest of the world decided, hey, we got to go recruit those guys. And instead of just defaulting and letting BYU have them, and suddenly Duke is taking multiple players that looked like they were BYU guys. In some cases, they're verbally committed to be BYU guys. And Pope, with the transfers, has opened up, it's not a new recruiting base, but it's like a new avenue of recruiting. 
you know, bring a talented guy in and let's see how he can help the team for a year or two. And Cleveland did that a little bit with JC, but with all the transferring, it seems like D1 Sports is both football and basketball have gone away from that. You know, so so now with the, with the transfer portal and that, can you can you find a guy who can come in and help you for a year or two? And and Barcelo has helped getting an Arizona kid up no here. Question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Harms is going to I guess be one and done apparently, but he's helped. He's helped, right? He's, absolutely. He's playing he's a lot a of minutes. He's good addition to him to their team, and then these UVU guys, and I I think most of these UVU guys outside of Averett have been LDS. Correct. And so. They've, they, you know, there's a natural connection there, but I can only imagine what it must be like because we see Mark in his setting. So he's last uh, the other night, uh, you know, he was uh, talking about uh, who was it? Uh, was it Harwood that was in? Uh, went to Pope's house to go into his hot tub. Is that who he said was going I over was there? Harwood, yeah, his, yeah. His and then about. at the end, you got you guys are welcome. You want to come over? <laughs> I thought about getting my suit and driving down. Hey, Mark, that would, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> you know what? And the thing is, and and it's not like I spent a lot of time with him. Nobody spends any time with anybody, right? So you know what you know, you know from Zoom calls and occasional and conversations from third parties who yeah. who know both of us, right? Yes. He, you might have gotten a laugh out of him. He might have flinched. It might have been a little reaction. But I swear he would have rolled with it within 10 seconds. They they show get, up. They, all right, come on in, PK. Got it's my like, towel draped around yeah, my shoulder. It's like, I don't know where this is going, but it's another story. And I need stories when I recruit. Let's go. I mean, he talks to the media on the Zoom calls. I mean, you're on a lot of Zoom calls. I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. He talks to the media differently. His conversations, like n- at least 95% and maybe more. It's like the, the, they talk about actors breaking through the fourth wall and talking to the crowd. And he does that. He doesn't just answer the questions. He takes it to the next step, and he's recruiting the media. Well, so then my point is I wonder what it's like when he's recruiting these grad transfers recruiting high school kids, what have you. But most of his roster, most of his playing time uh, since he's been at BYU hasn't been by high school freshmen or high school seniors becoming freshmen. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, has there really been any freshmen that he's had uh, just in this short time? Loner. Uh, Loner. Okay, he got Loner. Yeah, Loner's a great, great example. Thank you. Absolutely. Loner. Uh, as Steve Cleveland said, said it uh, a long time ago when he met with the family. <laughs> bouncy, the kid is super bouncy, looking like he's got he's a rebounding machine. I have to give it up to him, man. And the rest of his game is going to come along. It's looks like he's going to be one of BYU's better players when it's said and done. So he did get him. But can you imagine talking if you're a dad or you're the or the or the kid himself? Uh, whether you're uh, a grad transfer I'm, or not, I, my, my guess is that Harms must have been blown away uh, by him. I mean, the, the UV guy, UVU guys had a connection to one degree or another, most of them anyway. Uh, so there was already some form of relationship. I don't know that there was any relationship with Harms. He becomes available. They check him out. My guess is that you're probably blown away with his enthusiasm, and particularly if you're a big man because you got Chris Burgess, who was an accomplished big man. I know he didn't play in the NBA, but at the time of his injury, he was leading Utah in rebounding and scoring, and then his foot gave out, and he had all sorts of trouble at that point. But he did play a number of years in the overseas. Pope literally did play in the NBA. 
and played for, obviously, Contino and won the national title. So if you're a big man, you would think there would be some form of interest just naturally because of those two guys on the staff. Uh, but his enthusiasm, I'm really wondering if he's going to be able to get BYU consistently where they want to be. Now, they've already been, in my mind, for a number of years, basically 20 years, they've been pretty good, you know, here and there, an exception maybe, but they've been pretty good during the regular season. And they've been playing for NCAA berths. Even if they didn't get them, they were playing for NCAA berths. So that's the level that's already been established. When I'm talking about, you know, that infamous Greg Rubel quote, multiple Sweet 16s. Well, the Lone Peak guys, for various reasons and whatnot, it never came to pass. I think they only played together one season, so it's hard to judge them on that. But they didn't make any. And I'm wondering, is this the guy who can get you to where it's not a once-in-a-30-plus-year situation to get to the Sweet 16, and then when you get there, you have the National Player of the Year, which the last two times they made the Sweet 16, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. They had Danny Ainge and they had yeah. Jimmer Fredette. Yeah. 30 so you years get apart. The, right. Yeah, 30 years apart. You get the National Player of the Year, no matter what you think of Fredette. And I was telling Yach, Fredette will go down as the greatest Chinese basketball association player of all time. <laughs> hey, 370-point <three> <laughs> games will do that for you. Yeah, me. and so we can take all the shots we want at Jim or Fredette. But, I mean, that's like taking shots at apple pie in baseball. I mean, he's, he's an all-American kid. I'm not going to take any shots at Jim or Fredette. And I'm certainly not going to take any shots at Jim or Fredette in college because he was a phenomenal college player. Even if he was an NBA bust and it was Sacramento Kings' fault or whatever, I don't care. He was a great player in college. So, yeah, if you get the NCAA Player of the Year, you ought to get to the Sweet 16. But is Pope the guy who can get you to the Sweet 16 on somewhat of a frequent level? It felt like they had a Sweet 16 quality team last year. Now, we would have had to see the seeding, and would they have been bumped down the line because uh, they had to get them from a Sunday to a Saturday second-round game? And, you know, how would that have played out? We'll never know because they didn't, they didn't even fill out the bracket, which I wish they would have, but would have been something to talk about, but they didn't. This team doesn't feel like a Sweet 16 team. Maybe I'd feel differently if I'd seen them play a full non-conference schedule and seen some more of the games. Uh, but a lot of that just didn't happen, and when it did happen, it kind of happened in weird circumstances, so I'm still not even sure what to read into that. So I guess because I haven't seen it, maybe that's biasing me, but the one thing I have been noticing watching BYU games, and this it actually goes back to Dave Rose. Remember how Rose, and uh, and we'll have Tim Lacombe on, so he can, he can talk about this. Um, remember how Rose said the problem playing Gonzaga is they not only have the best big man in the league, mm-hmm. they have yeah, the yeah. two or three. It's like... BYU's collecting a lot of good big men. Now, I don't want to compare him to Gonzaga. Gonzaga's just off the charts this year, and everybody expects him in the Final Four, and they could win it all, and you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. But doesn't BYU have more good big men than other recent BYU teams? Well, they certainly have more bodies. Yeah, but but I think they can all contribute something. Well, and sure I, they can. you got Harwood, uh, Harms, yeah. and Lee right, right off the top of my head. Yeah, the other kid went out injured. Uh, he yeah, seems to they've lost two bigs to injury this year so far. Yeah, like but Baxter look what they have. And, uh, they still, what, I mean, uh, and, and, and so can they play that, you know, depending on how you're seated, because if you're seated in an 8-9 game and you're playing a one seed, you, you know, good luck on the Sweet 16, you might pull it off, but it's pretty rare. So it depends on how you're seated and everything, but, you know, if you have some of that size and then you get a, 
a little bit of athleticism and a little bit of shooting with it. And I don't know that they have that yet, but it seems like this is where he's going. I mean, big guys are going to value big guys, right? You've talked about this is the tallest coaching staff in America. Big guys are going to value big guys. Big guys are going to be able to coach up big guys and say, hey, I can help I can help make you as good as you can be, and I can help get you to the NBA. And if you can't get you to the NBA, I can get you a league in Europe that makes you more money. And so I think, I think it's going to keep trending this way. I don't think this is a fluke. And when you've got this many big guys, and they do seem to be improving, and the, and the thing is, you sell your vision the first couple of years, but then after you've been there a while, your players have to sell you. They're, guys are going to – they're going to do their visits or their Zoom calls or whatever, and players can make you or break you. And they will make you or break you, you know? I mean, Kyle's been there so long now. Kyle Winningham can say, oh, we're a family here. Well, the players had better say that when the recruits talk to them. You know, it's going to make you or break you. It's going to be the same thing with big guys here. Did he really make you better? Oh, yeah. He showed me this. He taught me this. He told me to do this. I wasn't any good at it, but we did this over and over, and now I can do it. Yeah, yeah, he'll make you better. He needs his big guys to say that. And watching the games, it seems to me that that's what's going to happen. So what? should I be – the, the, the big guys are going to improve, and the big men will tell the next generation of big men, whether they're high school kids or transfer portal guys or whatever – yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll make you better. They'll work with you. Yeah, I like playing for this guy. So I can't guarantee you BYU's suddenly going to rip off a bunch of Sweet 16s because we've never seen it, but do they have as good a chance at changing that storyline? Yeah, because this is an area that they haven't been good enough and they're getting better. So it seems like the arrow is up, so there's hope. Can't guarantee you anything. Can Pope yeah. take them to where... They haven't been my worry, consistently. My worry is that the answer to that is no, because he'll leave for a bigger job. He doesn't strike me as a Utah lifer. you know. And if a Power 5 comes calling and it's a good situation, I don't think he'll leave. I think he's smart enough to know that he's got a good situation now, and there are Power 5 jobs that are not good. Uh, but there are people who have a lot more money and will give him a better chance of getting to a Sweet 16 and Elite 8 or a Final Four. And once you get a taste of that stuff, it never goes away. He played at Kentucky. He's never going to – the Final Four will seem achievable. Dave Rose never got BYU there. You know, he had a team that we thought was set up, and then obviously we know it all fell apart, right? Um, but because he played in the Final Four, that was always realistic to Dave. It always felt like – Okay, it's going to be tough, but here's how you do it. I've seen it done. And I think they got a coach now in Pope who says the same thing. I've been there. I know how it's done. And he knows it's hard. It's easier at BYU than it is at UVU, so he took the BYU job. But if something comes along where he can make more money and have a better shot at going deeper into the NCAA tournament, I expect he'll take it. Well, it's not if, it's when. Okay, so then... It's got to happen pretty quick for BYU and the whole multiple things time. Well, it's hard to pile up a lot of those because the more you pile them up, the more ADs are going to call you. And eventually he'll look at a job and think, well, that's just too good to pass up. So you think he's out? In the, Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's out this year. I'm not calling that. But no. do I think he's going to be – like, do I think he's going to coach as long as Dave Rose did? Nope. No, I don't. Do I think he'll at coach BYU. as long as Steve Cleveland did? At BYU. Do I think he'll his Cleveland tenure? Cleveland only coached there like eight years. Yeah, is he going to be an eight or nine that's year not, guy? That's not that long. And I don't think he'll go that long. Whoa! Could he there be out? Could he be out after four, five, or six years? Uh, yeah, because be I think they're going to win. March. He could be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I still think that there's going to be some movement, but limited movement. 
Um, people have lost a lot. You know, schools have lost a lot of money. Well, you keep, and you keep saying that, I do, but and that's not true. <laughs> and football's made moves. I know. I know. I don't know why but you I, keep holding on to a theory that is false. Be, well, here's, here's my rationalization. Basketball isn't as important in football. And they'll do it for football, but will they do it for basketball? And they don't have to pay as much for basketball either. Well, and see, that's a good point. You know, and, and the other thing is, one of the things I read was that, uh, and this is where I missed the boat on this, is that a lot of these schools have financed the debt and spread it out over whatever, however many years, um, 5, 10, or 15, I guess, depending on the league and the revenue stream or whatever, and so that they are going to be back to business as usual pretty quick because they've just financed and spread it out and whatever. If Arizona makes a change... Why Anybody they can call Mark Pope. No, if they make a change, oh, which oh I see, I see what you're saying. Possibility. Why wouldn't they call Mark Pope? Yeah. And could you imagine Mark Pope in an interview situation? He'd be awesome. For all I'd the reasons Mark we Pope just talked is about. Mark Pope so charismatic. If he wants to, he can get the brethren and allow them to play on Sundays. If it comes to that in the NCAs, that's how charismatic he is. Seems like a bridge too far, but he's you know, mark pope you stick with that if you want president his Nelson, name is pope here. no less he's the pope so if i offered you five years at byu over or under with pope what would you take i'm gonna take over really yeah because and maybe this is blind faith somebody out there who's got a fair amount of cash who might be able to help them and what does byu do what I know what Tom Homo and Brian Santiago would do, they'd pay him to stay. Right. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know that Tom will be the AD in five years. I don't know that he won't be. Uh, I assume Brian will still be there. He might. Brian might be the AD himself. Uh, and those are two extremely competitive guys that I have known for a long time. So I know what they would do. Uh, <laughs> but will people I'm, above them approve the spending of the money, even if the money's sitting right there in front of them? See, I, you know, probably not dollar for dollar, but do they do it enough to make Mark Pope think, you know, I've got a really good situation here, and, they're, and they've shown some faith, and they came up. I realize the immediate administration, their hands are somewhat tied, and so I've got a lot of great stuff going on here. So maybe that sways him. You know, cash is king, and cash will always be king. So right, I'm not but, naive to that. Of all the people who's been – I've been running my mouth on that for years, and so I'm not going to change now. But can they make up enough of a difference to make him want to stay? I think that it's possible. Okay, but for a guy who played at the highest levels as a college player – if another job comes along that offers him a chance to go deeper into the NCAA tournament, that's, well, that, is that something you can't put a price on, and that's what pulls him away. And that might be, but maybe that's something Mark Pope believes in himself. Dave Rose legitimately believed he was going to do it, and he was a suspension away from doing it. Yeah. That's all true, but there's places where it's easier to do. Yeah, sure. I agree. And I guess that's where I'd look and say that that's something that I don't know anyone can do anything about that. You know, it's just... It's, it's well, harder yeah, to get easier. There from the... Arizona's easier, but Sean Miller's never done it. Yep. Yeah. It's easier. And, and I don't think. But he hadn't gotten it done. Right. And I don't think that it's possible at all power fives. You know, they're power. I mean, Missouri's never. Missouri's had good teams. They've never been to a Final Four. Well, there's a reason. You know, so, you know, he'd have to assess each opening as it came. You know, what, how, what kind of a springboard is this as far as right. history, tradition, facilities, 
the TV contract, you know, who else is good in the league, all that well, stuff. I think that usually goes hand in hand with cash, too. Yeah, it, it, there's usually a parallel. You're right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. The Jazz win again. They win differently, and yet it was kind of the same thing. I mean, on the surface, it doesn't look like the Golden State game, but if you take a second look, there were some similarities. We'll tell you about that. And look ahead to the Mavericks. Can the Jazz stretch this string out? They got the Mavericks tonight. They got the Mavericks again on Friday, and we'll do that next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. House resolution honoring Donovan Mitchell over Shaquille O'Neal. The resolution recognizes the exemplary service of Donovan Mitchell to the Utah Jazz and the Utah community, whereas the claim by Shaquille O'Neal that Utah Jazz All-Star Donovan Mitchell doesn't have what it takes to get to next level is even less accurate than Shaquille O'Neal's 50.4% playoff free throw percentage, whereas Kazam has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Jazz fans have watched Donovan contribute to this community so often and with so much love that people connect with him far beyond just a basketball player. He's an all-star. He's the face of a franchise along with Rudy Gobert. And he's a good dude. And you just don't see that combination very often. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I think just his playmaking ability. He obviously can score, but I think his he gets his team going when he's able to, to get those assists and get guys open looks and constantly putting pressure on you as he brings the ball up the court. So do our best to try to make everything tough for him, keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible, and just try to continue to play to our, to our strength defensively and uh, offensive end, just do what we got to do. There's Mike Conley looking ahead to the matchup with Luka Doncic, who's averaging just a shade under a triple-double. Jazz and Mavericks tonight. Jazz and Mavericks again on Friday as they play twice in three days. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom! Yeah! Yeah, I had to get one in there. No, that's uh, fine. The Warehouse bringing you DJ and PK this morning. Uh, the streak is now nine in a row, and they'll try to uh, extend it to ten in a row tonight against the Mavs. And PK, I think it's largely overlooked, and something that you need to put in your back pocket and remember about this team is that the Warrior game, where they bolted out to a 14 nothing lead, a 19-2 lead, they're up by 30 at halftime, 77-47. You know, this Knicks game was different because they, they had a slow start, and they were down 15, they're still down 13 at the half. But the second half, with everything that went wrong and guys couldn't make shots, and they were wide open shots. You didn't, you didn't need to know anything about you know the Jazz offense or that much about the team to you know they had good shots and they were missing them in the first half. But all that aside, in the second half, they won that second half 62 to 35. And the second half score doesn't go up on the screen the way the first half score does, so it doesn't sink in. But the second half, when you beat somebody 62-35, to 35, you, are, you are annihilating them. You are just completely the dominant team. So another dominant half out of the Jazz. Now, it'll be interesting against the, the Mavs. It's a different deal. It'll be interesting to see how many guys can play for the Mavs. Yak, they don't have an injury report out yet that we've missed. You're usually good about catching this. I haven't seen anything the, yet this the, morning. The Mavs' top eight guys, four guys have played most of the games. They've their missed one, two, or three. Wrecked. But four of their top eight guys in minutes played have played like half the games, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. Some COVID-related, some, you know, Porzingis is coming back from, you know, an injury. So it's a variety of reasons, but 
you know, are they, are they going to have their guys is the first question. But I think this is intriguing because I think we all think the Mavs are a team that, regardless of how the regular season goes, if they're there in the playoffs, you know, maybe it's a 2-7 series, maybe it's a 3-6. But if they have the guys in the playoffs, they'll be dangerous regardless of the regular season record. I'd agree with that. And anytime you have an all-league first team, Doncic is all-first team NBA. There's no question about it. Zero in my mind. Others may argue, I guess. But this guy is something beyond comparison, really. Uh, it, to come in the league as such a young pup, a foreign guy, to be that dominant right from the start, it's literally never been done. Literally never been done. You cannot argue with that. The impact that he's had as a foreign guy right off the bat it's just absolutely amazing. I'm so excited about watching these games, these next couple of games, because I get to watch this young man. When he was a rookie, I circled a game that I was going to go see. I think it was a Saturday night in February. And ask for tickets, get them, and he doesn't play. <laughs> and I got, because I hardly ever ask for him. And we have access to ask for them. So I usually go like once or twice a year, and I pick my spots, and I get good seats, and I invite a, another couple, and, and we have a good, great time. And, and we still had a great time, but I went specifically to see this cat play, and he didn't play. He was out. So that was his rookie season a couple years ago. Absolutely bummed me out. And now look at him. Talk about meeting or even exceeding the hype. He's done it. And he's still, what, 21, 22 years of age? He's incredible. What a ball player, man. And he's like Mitchell. He's constantly got a smile on his face, doesn't he? He just seems like, this is just unbelievable for myself. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm, pl- I'm playing in the best league in the world. I'm getting paid. This is great. I think that's what we want. I mean, these guys are so fortunate. Joe Ingles talks about being fortunate a thousand times over, and I think that's one of the reasons people connect with him because he realizes, man, I am just in an un- just an incredible situation. And so Doncic, I've never talked to him, never interviewed him once, but it just seems like that's what he is and what a ball player. So, yeah, any given game, he can be dangerous. They won a couple games off the Clippers last year, didn't they? Wasn't that a 4-2 to two series? Yep. And we he only remember big, the one shot he hit. Yeah, yeah, he had a big shot to tie the yeah. series at 2-2, two, two, and you thought, they got a chance, and the Clippers just – Wrecked them. <laughs> and the Clippers were a better team, yeah. so they should have won. That normally is what happens a high percentage of the time in a seven-gamer. The better team wins. Not the best team, because you can only have the best if it's more than two. If it's just two, it's better. That's your grammar lesson for the morning, people. That, and there's no such word as reoccurring. It's recurring. You drop the O. Okay. How many O's are in the word lose? Let's do a spelling lesson. Uh, two. In Utah. Mm, okay. <laughs> but if you drive down to Vegas or up to Boise, uh, you're back to one. Back to one. Yeah, don't, don't, don't associate the word lose with Vegas. That's too nasty. Loose. Uh, uh, don't associate <laughs> that word in Vegas either. Hey, oh. I, I wouldn't know about that. Not a kid. Well, nonsense. Never mind. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Luka Doncic, it feels like he's a vet because he's been around for a while. And I, I guess in that sense, he is a veteran, but he is still 21. Right. That's what I'm saying. He turns 22 in another month, and he's at 27 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 9.9 assists. He is so close to averaging a triple-double. Well, he's so good 
that the management of the Suns and Sacramento, two teams that passed on him, I'd impeach both of those managements and bar them from any social media for the rest of their lives. That's how strong I feel about this kid. And to think he lasted third. He's the best number three pick since Jordan, is he not? I'll need a list of number three picks in front of me. <laughs> you giving me something to do in the next break? Sweet. Well, that's like 30-plus years. That'll take you a while. But, yeah, this guy is just sensational. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't think the Maverick team is that good. His ability has made them, whatever they are, it's because of him. And I don't even think they're as good as they were last year as far as that goes. But he's all that. In any given game, they are extremely dangerous, largely because of him. And we'll see how Porzingis rounds himself into shape. And Porzingis, Porzingis, in my mind, in terms of availability, he's kind of a poor man's Joel Embiid. It's like when I look at a Philadelphia 76er box score and Embiid did not play, it's like I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? just doesn't seem like he's there as many times as you need your best player to be there. Now, Porzingis isn't the best player on the Mavs, whereas if Doncic isn't playing, I'm very surprised because it seems like he is there. Yeah, he is. Porzingis has got to find himself a way to to get uh, more available, and I'm not discounting his health situations and his injuries by any stretch. I I barely pay attention to him, so I'm I'm certainly not – dogging him by any stretch of the imagination, but I just know that they need him to be out on the court because I don't think this is a team flush with talent is the point. So where's this going for Doncic? Like, what is his top level? I mean, he's still, you know, I just read his stats and how close he is to a triple-double, but his assist total is climbing every year. His scoring total is actually, he scored an extra point and a half a game last year. Uh, And the rebounds are still inching up there, too. He went from 8 to 9.5, and, and now he's just a shade short of 10. And the stats will max out because there's only so many possessions in a game. So then yeah. it comes to where do the wins go, and once you decide where the regular season wins go, then you can start deciding where the playoff wins go. Well, he go. needs some help. Right now he's the Mike Trout of the NBA. You love your comparisons, your baseball analogies, but that's a strong one. <laughs> he's he's not as young as Trout. Trout's got more history written, but right. needs talent around him. Hasn't yeah. gone deep, but is must see TV. You don't, you know, they, they you see Angel highlights online or on TV or whatever. You know, Trout's probably in him doing something that, that makes you not want to, you know, hit pause or <laughs> or or change the channel. And Doncic is the same way. Like, okay, Maverick highlights. I want to see what Doncic did. And he can beat you in any way possible. Last time they had the Pac-12 media days was not this summer, obviously. The last one, it was the one before. Well, they reduced it to one day, and I went to the Dodger game that night over to Hollywood Dodger Stadiums about uh, six miles. You know, it took me the customary two hours to make the trip. And uh, they were playing the Angels that night. So the place was packed. And uh, he gets up in a first inning, and there's a runner on first. He hits a grounder, looks, hits it hard, looks like he's going to be a double play, but he busts it down to first, so there isn't a double play. He steals second, Pujols comes up, gets a base hit, they get a run. He scored a run. I mean, it just because of his speed, being able to stay out of the double play, mm-hmm. allows Pujols to get up and then 
uh, Trout speed stealing a base. That's a little thing, right? But it it got him a run. Well, that's the way I look at Doncic. Yeah, he can score and shoot and but he does he does everything. And later on in the game, Trout threw a runner out at home plate from center field, and they estimated the speed of the throw was ninety four miles an hour. And obviously, <laughs> when he gets up and he hits a home run, it's it's apparent to even the most casual of fan. Wow, that was impressive. But he does all this other stuff too. His team isn't nearly good enough. Well, that's what Doncic does. Yeah, he scores, he rebounds, he assists, but he does everything out on that basketball court. His team right now isn't good enough. That's up, I think. Uh, Donnie Nelson is the GM and all that in Cuban to get these guys to get him specifically some more talent. And at 21 years of age, who's to say? I have no idea what it's going to be like at 25. What I do know at 25, he's going to be great. Question of the team around him remains to be seen. But this guy is an individual marvel that I'm looking forward to extremely watching him play tonight and then again on Friday. I've already got the list of number three draft picks before we go to break. You ready? <laughs> this, there, this, first off, did you know how many jazz ties there are at number three? Darren Williams, Derek Favors, Ennis Cantor. All number three picks. Really good players have been number three picks. Doncic, the year before, Jason Tatum went third. There's there's a really good player. Uh, Bradley Beal's been in the news a little bit lately. He's leading the NBA in scoring. He's a number three pick. James Harden was a number three pick. Uh, not every number three pick was really good. Uh, no. Adam Morrison, Gonzaga in 2006. Pau Gasol, there's Jordan. a guy who ended up having a good career and winning oh, championships. Sure. Yeah. 2001. Uh, Chauncey Billups won a title, uh, 1997 good. third round pick. So there's some some good names in there. Third selection, not round, but yeah, yeah, third pick, uh, yes, not third round. But I would third take pick. none of them above uh, Doncic, not even Harden. I would take Doncic above James Harden. All right, DJ and PK uh, coming up. The Fab Four, how have they all been shut out? We will get to that next. Tim Lacombe talking jazz basketball at 9 o'clock. Tim Cato had something come up, so he bumped back an hour. Uh, Covers the Dallas Mavericks, NBA writer for The Athletic. He'll be here at 9.30, and obviously the Jazz play the Mavs tonight and again on Friday. So we'll talk to Tim. He's rescheduled for 9.30. Tim Cato, Tim Lacombe at 9.05. And the Fab Four, how are they all shut out? We will get to that next. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. My good friend found a basketball she got when she was 9 or 10. It has three autographs on it. John Stockton, Carl Malone, and a mystery signature. This has driven Austin to the brink of insanity. You've spent the whole show trying to find it out, right, Austin? This is my life's mission. This is what I'm doing with the rest of my breathing days. Austin's gone down some rabbit holes. Mo Williams. Or the number 25 in college. In street graffiti from time to time. The imaginary 5 which is 25. His number. You see on the bottom, random strike. Oh, I hadn't even noticed the random strike. Oh, you're not trying. Wow. Put some heart into this. I haven't Dude. blinked in over an hour. It's going to be a scripture. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. I'll be back. Oh, jeez. Here yeah, we go. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning. Brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, PK, Baseball Hall of Fame had their balloting. Schilling got 71% of the vote, but you need 75% to get in. He was the top vote-getter. Nobody is getting in, which means right now, Pete Rose, most hits in the history of the game, not in. Barry Bonds, most homers in the history of the game, not in. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, not in, not in. Those are four 
four really accomplished players in baseball history. But if you walk into the museum that is supposed to have the whole history lesson in it, none of the four are there. Doesn't this require some level of... um, recalibration here, analysis, maybe the Veterans Committee will make this all okay in the long run and they'll all be in there. But are we really wiping our way of history because we don't like uh, what someone says on social media or their politics or the fact that they gambled and lied to us or the fact that they took PEDs and people feel lied to about that? Because it's still the history of baseball. We're not the Soviet Union in the 1940s painting people out of pictures, are we? Well, I guess we are in Cooperstown. Always come back to Russia with you. Uh, (laughs) The Soviet Union, it's more than just Russia. I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think that, though, they are in there from that perspective, though. I think there's – I don't know this. I've been there twice. Uh, I think there is acknowledgement of of their presence in there, is there not? Don't they have some stuff that Pete Rose has hit or what have you? I mean, I realize they're not in individually, but I need would need to double-check that to see that there's zero acknowledgement that these men that you bring up ever existed in the game of baseball. I'm not sure that's a fact. I have to double-check on that. Maybe it is, and maybe I'm 100% wrong. Uh, the Veterans Committee, I think you're out of luck there because the Veterans Committee is comprised of former players, right? And the players have they're been not, adamant. They're not going to blink on Rose. And the two uh, steroid dudes. Yeah. Schilling's going to get in. Uh, And then, oh, my gosh, if he chooses to stand up there uh, in front of the podium on the the stage that day, it's usually like the last weekend in July, I think they have it. Uh, Who knows what he's going to (laughs) say. So I prefer more political moderation. That's that's me. Uh, But, you know, free speech – uh, is free speech really an issue when you agree with what they're saying? <laughs> as far as, well, is that are you really stretching yourself? I support free speech. Isn't it actually the other way around when they're saying something you don't agree with or you don't appreciate or you think is outrageous? You know, where's the line? That's the problem I have with this shilling thing. In my mind, shilling, if I got a ball game to win and he's pitching – and that one of these ex-players brought this point up yesterday on the Baseball Network. Those players, they loved playing behind Schilling because he was the ultimate gamer. And if you're in a big game, what do the players want to do? They want to win that game, right? And so they wanted Schilling out there. And at that moment, they probably couldn't care less about his impending politics. And I don't know what what triggered him to go off after he retired. And maybe it was just that there was no social media when he was playing to the level that there is now. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what makes the guy tick. All I know is when you gave him the baseball in a big game, he was awesome. And that's what it should be as far as that goes in that museum, as you say. you know. And then the thing that makes me nervous is where do we draw the line? I don't have Who a, gets yeah. to decide? Well, I mean, in this case, uh, 400 uh, members of the BBWAA, right? <laughs> That's, this year? Yeah. But he got more votes, and they said yeah. he's 16 away. He's, I, I wish he would have just let it go, but that's not his way. Right. 
You know what I mean? Did he have to come out? That they, I'm watching the baseball network, and I knew the thing was coming on, so I purposely sat down to watch it at that time. And they go, okay, they're not going to have it. And it would seem like within minutes, they already had a statement from Schilling. Which makes me think that, you know, he probably had that thing prepared. Uh, it seemed like next year he was going to get in. I, I just wish... I, I just, and I'm so freaking naive on this, but I'm so sick of politics that I just wish we could just have baseball. It's baseball, Ray. It's supposed to be a kid's game. You know what I mean? Is there anything that is as pure anymore in that regard? Or is the answer just no? The answer and I'm is an no. old time idiot. Yes. Oh, no, you I mean, just called me an idiot. That's I don't appreciate that. You called yourself an idiot, and I And agreed. you agreed. I did agree. At least you could have said, no, PK, not really. But no, you had no problem <laughs> quickly piling on. Look at the four guys I listed at the top of this segment who aren't in. Put on the plaque their flaws. Everybody's flawed. But look at what they accomplished in the game. And I get their stuff... You don't like, and I know that I'm just moving the bag back at first base because then I'll, then you can throw out four more names. Well, what about Alex Rodriguez? I feel like A-Rod's in a different category than Bonds. I think Bonds A-Rod. clearly, obviously, was a Hall of Famer before he ever used steroids. Well, I think A-Rod was too. Okay, and there are people who agree with you. It's another debate. I don't think it's a slam dunk. But it's still, to me, Bonds is in a different category than I would A-Rod. go more of like Palmero and, and Sosa and McGuire. To me, Palmero's, me. Palmero's a no-doubter, no-chance, no-way, absolutely not. Palmero, to me, is in a different group than A-Rod. To me, Bonds is in. Really? Yeah, to me, Bonds is in. Uh, as a, a player or as a cheater? As a player. Would I, if okay, I had okay, a Hall okay, of Fame okay. ballot, which I don't, but if I did, I would absolutely vote for Bonds. I would absolutely not vote for Palmero, and I don't know what I do with A. Rod. To me, it's these, it's these shades of gray. You know, I, I go back and forth. Should a guy should a guy be penalized because he cheated twice and for a longer percentage of his career than Bonds did? You know, Bonds to me, Bonds and Clemens to me had Hall of Fame numbers before they used. I can I figure out when too. they started using, and I'm just I'm over it. I I don't like it. I don't really like or roof for either one of those guys, but it's the Hall of Fame, and they are Hall of Famers, in my mind. And I I just, I would. And I wouldn't have voted for him right away. I would have wanted to penalize him. You don't get to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And they have been. Right, exactly. But by now, I would have voted for Bond several times. Okay. So, but that's me. Yeah, fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and and I'm fine with putting all this stuff on their plaque. Rose, he gambled and he lied about it, you know? But I would still, I I would put him in. I wouldn't I agree. I wouldn't let him manage a baseball team again. I'm fine with baseball banning him from well, the he's dugout. Pushing 80, so that's not well, that. I know, but when it was an issue, I had no problem with that portion of it. I'm like, yeah, you, you can't really trust the guy. You could be on the dugout dugout sure. phone and, and it was technology change. You could just, you know, walk down the hallway and text and <laughs> so, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so I, I yeah. that part of it I don't have a problem with, but there there'd be a plaque for him in the Hall of Fame. And okay. it would say he was banned because he gambled and lied about it. Yeah. But he'd still be okay. in. Sure. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah basketball staff member. Uh, we've had college questions and NBA questions, and we'll get to both of them with him next. Stay with us.